Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Oh, my gosh. Here we are once again, Daring to be Different. This is your host, Yaya Diamond. You know, I am excited, excited about this entire show. This is going to be a full show, a full first eight-season episode. And uh, welcome to the eight-season. I am telling you, this eight-season is going to be great. You're listening to us on Bomb Baby Radio in New York City. You're listening to us on 97.5 FM Real Community Radio in North Coast, Florida. And you're also listening to us in all of the Caribbean and the East Coast of Florida on the Caribbean Community Radio Network and the Dream Chasers Radio Network. I am telling you, soon enough, I won't have enough air to tell you how many stations we are on, which is great. I love it. I am pushing. I am also a dream chaser. And so I want to say welcome to the show. We have wonderful guests for you today, a variety of different things that you yourself may be hearing to do. So we're going to go ahead and get with our first Yes, welcome to the show. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Hi, Yaya. My name is Chris Templeton, and I am the founder of a little project called Oh, the Stories We Tell. And really what it's about is helping people to have a clearer perception in their role of how they define their reality, which sounds almost woo-woo, but it's really not. And uh, it probably sounds crazier than it really is, but I've been practicing this approach for at least 10 years and been working on it for about 15 years. And uh, I'm really happy to be able to share it on your first show of your eighth season. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So, okay. You said it sounds kind of, kind of different, kind of out there. Well, explain that to me. What, what is it exactly? Well, basically, if you think about it, we spend a whole lot of time driving ourselves crazy. Um, We are our own worst critic. We have a tendency to say things to ourselves that we would never accept anybody else saying to us, and yet we almost take it for granted in certain parts of our life. And so um, I, in 2003, I read a book called The Power of Now by a guy named Eckhart Tolle, and he talked about how common it is for people to really be good at driving themselves just a little bit insane. And we kind of see uh, the worst of the worst when we see somebody walking down the street who's indigent and talking out loud and not making a whole lot of sense. And yet, uh, for so many of us, we kind of do the same thing. It, in certain parts of our life. I don't think it, I think one of the things that's, that's come clear for me is that uh, we tend to have places in our lives that we are super clear and super authentic and uh, kind of grounded. And then we have other places in our lives that we are just struggling. And so when I hear the opening for your show about daring to be different and um, you know, uh, this is really what that's about is figuring out, well, why, why is it daring to be different? And what is the story that I'm telling that puts me in a situation where I feel like I have to dare to be me? Does that make sense? Yeah, it it actually does. It actually does. How did you come about doing this though? I mean, um, 
I mean, there's got to be an interesting story behind that. Well, it started with Eckhart Tolle in 2003 and that, that line about, uh, uh, you know, driving ourselves insane. And one of the things that he talked about was this idea of little me. And, and you know, if you think that of yourself as having kind of these different personalities, there's uh, our authentic selves where we're focused, we're centered, we're grounded, and then there's our little selves. And we all know what our examples of our little selves are, whether it's in our relationships, our self-talk, whatever the case may be. So it just really resonated with me. And in my business, I'd, I'd talk to people about, hey, you know what, what you, you're going to have a call with this person, and they're going to be in little me mode. And your goal is to stay in authentic you mode, so that what happens is you're not in this situation where you're pushing against somebody who's already in a bad, bad mode. And so it's just over time, we kept practicing and, and kept practicing that particular idea. And uh, the, the people that I have shared this with, it changes how they see their lives. And it takes them from a place of being disempowered in places that we struggle to saying, hey, wait a minute, I have a role in this. I have a role in um, how I get, and, and hence the, the, the title of our uh, website and, and, and our endeavors, Oh, the Stories We Tell. Hey, what's the story I'm telling right this moment? And then I can tell if I'm in little me or authentic me by simply saying, asking the question, is what I'm thinking right now, is it serving me or not? Are the thoughts that I'm having serving me or aren't they? So if I am uh, wanting to have a better relationship and really what I'm focused on is how much my partner annoys me, that is not, not a thought that serves me, certainly, and it certainly isn't a thought that serves your partner. And so the idea becomes, okay, so if the story that I'm telling myself right this moment isn't serving me, is there a better story that I can tell that will put me in a better place? And, and one of the things I think is really important to, to mention early on is this is not positive thinking. And I want to be super clear about I am absolutely uh, uh, against the idea of, hey, just be positive, because just being positive lights little me up like you can't believe. Um, so, you know, when you think about when you think about something like, oh, well, he's just the greatest guy in the world or she's just the best person I've ever known. And that's not really how you feel. You're just feeding little me and kind of little me is like, oh, man, I am going <laughs> to I'm going to prove you're wrong, which is one of the, the characteristics of our lesser selves. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. So, OK, the difference is it's not a positive thing, but it's more of an internal thing of working with and within ourselves to, to bring out the better us. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, and, and that's a great point. So what I say is there are three U's. There's little you, the cranky you, the one that's disempowered, the one that, or me, the one that uh, argues for my mediocrity, that argues for, that is judgmental of myself or others, put people on pedestals or tear them down, doesn't matter. 
Whenever I am doing any of those things, I'm in my little me mode or my lesser self, I call it. And so I like little me just because people can relate to it for some reason. It's like, oh, yeah, God, I know what that's like. So there's little me and then there's authentic me. And your authentic self, and, and I'll take one step back, your little self is all about the problem. I mean, is this ringing any bells for you? Uh-huh. You can like see places where, oh, God, I do that. So, and I, I, I do as well. I mean, I don't claim for a minute to be uh, in this place of the next level, which is authentic me, which is I'm just in a place of, uh, of being more solution oriented. I am focused on telling an authentic story about what's going on, which includes the negative. It does not, ne- we never want you to say, Oh, don't look at the negative. We want you to look at the negative in an authentic way. You know, this the way this person is behaving right now really is not making me a happy camper. And I would much rather be in a place where we're both communicating. Can you feel the, the shift in that thinking and how just by changing that little bit of thinking to an authentic place, I'm all of a sudden changing the story that I tell and it changes it for me. And if there are other people involved in the current story, it changes it for them. So yeah. the third level, the third level is what I call enlightened me. And I, I, I love to joke about this because I think of people that are, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, there was kind of the enlightenment and uh, those people that wanted to be enlightened. And, and Yaya, they talked like this. They always had a smile and life was great. But they did not feel that way inside. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people who have meditated for years and years, and they just beat themselves up about how they're not getting enlightened or getting where they want to be. And it's all because we get stuck in this place of trying to make everything all right. And Uh the the whole time, our our kind of lesser self is saying, well, that's a bunch of crap. (laughs) So those are the three three places we go. And, uh, and, and if you think about it, then what really the issue is, is I can, you heard people say, Oh, you create your own reality. Uh, what, when people say that to you, what's your response kind of from the gut? Really? <laughs> right. I just, like, I, I don't I, know if I'm buying I, that one. Yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. And and yeah. And so here's what I think it means. I think the whole concept of you choose your reality is really about choosing the story you choose to tell about it. And here's the why it matters. If I say, you know what, Donald Trump for me is pretty icky guy in the way he behaves. He's just like the, the last guy I would ever want to spend any time with. But I also know that because of his behavior, I have things that I'm much clearer about. I also recognize that he has his abilities to get things done that haven't been done in a long time and other things are he's just a complete failure. In other words, I have the ability to put perspective around anything regardless of what it is. And so because of that, now I've changed my stance from being a victim of the president and his behavior to somebody who says, you know what, 
Nah, ain't the way I'd want to want to behave, but uh, I can see the some of the ups and a lot of the downs, and I've got it in perspective. And now, because I'm not in this place of of little me where I feel uh, disempowered and uh, a victim and that sort of thing, I'm free to move on. And so it changes when I say when I talk about uh, defining my reality by changing my story. What I'm doing is I'm letting go of all the resistance that comes with uh, my lesser self that's always pushing against everything. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. So it's inward psychology. It's it's more like the subconscious versus versus the conscious uh, aspect of our lives. So our subconscious is the one that says, yeah, right. (laughs) But we're trying to change our subconscious by changing changing our reality, but we can't do that until we change our subconscious. Is that is that where we're at? Kind of. It, it, it kind of is that. It, uh, I, in my mind, um, and in this model, I look at the the whole concept of uh, subconscious and uh, the ego as kind of these fabulous stories that little me has made up so that he doesn't have to deal with himself. <laughs> So what happens in my mind from the standpoint of being subconscious is that if I've got something like I want to make more money, I want to be happier in my job, whatever the case may be, what I've got is a constant stream of little recognitions, even by looking at at somebody who's happy in their job or somebody who's got a great car. And when I look at those, instead of going, God, that is cool. I would really like to to be in that position. We have a tendency to say to ourselves, that's not me. And so from my standpoint, the subconscious is far more about kind of the default thinking of little me and letting and practicing our way to a place where we start to, to undo that default thinking and start start to put into place practices that help me to lessen kind of the power of, uh, of, of our, our little self, our lesser me. Mm, 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 mm. Now tell me how you come about getting this whole thing on paper, because it, it seems like you have really, really <laughs> practiced, you know, and, and, and done so many different things and researched this whole thing to the point where it, it it's not difficult to understand, definitely not difficult to understand, but I mean, it would have to be like written for someone to actually go about learning about what you're saying or understanding about what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, I've been kind of just preoccupied with it since I read that, uh, that uh, Eckhart Tolle book, the power now. And then in 2008, uh, I saw a speech uh, on Ted, Ted talks, by a woman named Jill Bolte Taylor, who uh, wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. Have you heard of it? Okay, yeah. And so what she talked about was the, her story is of being a, a, a brain scientist who speaks in a very flat kind of uh, almost mechanical tone, like you would kind of expect a scientist to. And one morning, so she studies the brain, and one morning she wakes up and she is having a hard time doing anything and as she's recognizing what's going on which is that the left side of her brain has shut down was well, going on and offline that she realizes she's having a stroke and when her the left side of her brain shuts down this is what she said I'll, I'll, I'll read you a little piece um, okay 
She said, and I'm asking myself, what's wrong with me? What is going on? And in that moment, my left hemisphere brain chatter was totally silent, just like someone took a remote control and pushed the mute button. Total silence. And at first, I was shocked to find myself inside of the silent mind. But then I was immediately captivated by the magnificence of the energy around me. And because I could no longer identify the boundaries of my body, I felt enormous and expansive. I felt at one with all the energy that was, and it was beautiful there. And man, oh man, it still gives me goosebumps uh, even reading it. And, and so what happened for her was when she, her left side brain would shut down, which is where we do all our internal talk, um, what she found was that she was this expansive I mean, to me, it's her connection to God. It's if you're if you're a Christian, it would be your connection to God. That that light within within you. And what it became clear to me was that in order to feel that, the whole idea is how do I take my left side brain and get it to a place where it's not, in essence, masking. Uh, what's going on in our right side brain. And we see little bits and pieces of it here and there. So, so to answer your question, those types of things have motivated me and I cannot get it out of my head, the whole concept. So for the past 10 years or so, I've been writing it. I've got 180 pages of a book written. I've got a uh, an animated slide deck that's about 400 slides, and and uh, we definitely have ways to make that available to people. But you know, it's just been something that I cannot get out of my head, and that I've been able to practice at the same time. And it's, I'm telling you, in some ways, it's in in so many ways, it's changed my life. In that, I'm a far better parent. I'm a far better uh, husband. I'm a, a really outstanding manager of people. And then there are places that I have a hard time. I still struggle with, you know, how to be more effective in my job, how to make more money, you know, kind of the, the, the standard ones. But I know by using this model, it's almost like putting on a, a pair of perfectly prescriptive glasses. And all of a sudden I see what's going on in me and my role in it so much more clearly. Mm. Mm. I love that she said she was a part of the expansion. She was kind of doing that, you know, she was here, but she wasn't here kind of thing. Wow. Exactly. And then her, and then her left brain side of the brain would come on and be, okay, what do I have to do? I need to call somebody. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, But it was amazing. And it was like, oh my God, what everybody's looking for they already have. It's already in us, and we just don't recognize because our, our, our little self, our lesser self, has gotten us to a place where it so believes its own stories, which say, oh, uh, enlightenment, I can't get there. Well, enlightenment must be an always-on thing and doesn't recognize those little places where, and I said to a friend of mine, uh, think of a time that you everything in the world for you was just perfect. And he's like, oh, I, I was seven years old. I had breakfast in the house and then walked out to the beach and just sat there and there were no words and everything was right. And so that's a, an example of, of getting to our enlightened selves. But so then the key with, with Jill Bolte Taylor was that you recognize, well, and you're a musician, aren't you, Yaya? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I am. So, so, so you understand minor and major scales, right? To sing, oh, yeah. uh, hum a, a minor and hum a, a major for us, would you? Well, okay. <laughs> I don't have my keyboard in front of me. I can't do it in the okay. right now. <laughs> okay, so a, so a minor a would be right. That's the minor scale, and that's that's kind of our lesser selves in left brain. And then mm-hmm. uh, you know something just really bright and happy is a major scale. So uh, yeah, from from Jill's talk, I came up with this whole idea that you have a minor self and a major self, and what we're trying to do is get our minor self out of the way. Uh, so that we can be authentic or, or even enlightened occasionally. <laughs> and so it's all about practice. It's all kinds of different practices, nothing uh, that you probably haven't heard of. But when you have kind of this idea of what I'm trying to do is to quiet uh, my minor self, what, which is primarily generated from my left brain and fight or flight thinking, that sort of thing, I have a tendency to open up to additional perspective that's a, just a much more lovely place to be and no matter what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the concept of it. I love what you've done and I love the studies that you've placed and you put in uh, to, to actually, uh, you know, to actually get their point across. So, I yes. mean, you can use this Good. model in stories with pers- personally and relationships as a partner and parenting, work-wise, health-wise. I mean, there's all different kinds of ways to, to, to use this. Um, where can people reach you? That is a great question. Go to Oh, the Stories We Tell, O-H, the Stories We Tell, Oh, the Stories We Tell, holy, holy, woo, oh, the stories we tell dot com. That's the place to go. And uh, and awesome. And that has the basics. And if you're Somebody who's interested in finding out more, um, we've set up just recently a Patreon page, which is where you can donate uh, on a monthly basis to my continued work on this. And uh, that would give you immediately for a dollar or more access to the first 180 pages of this book and uh, the 400 slide deck and some video and all kinds of stuff. So we're, we're, we're in the process of coming along, but it's, it's time to bring it out. And, and I just, you know, I know that these practices and this kind of model, it fits for anything. It fits for your religion, making religion more fulfilling. It fits for family relationships because it's a real simple way to measure, Hey, is the story I'm telling in this moment serving me or not? And if it's not serving me, how do I get it to a place that it serves me? And that typically is going to serve everybody else that's involved in it. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. You know, and I'm putting that all the stories we tell.com on our site so that people can uh, get to you. And my gosh, now let me ask you a question. It is a choice that we make to either go after our goals and do what we need to do and actually get better with our little selves and our big selves. Um, yep. What do you suggest, as a person who studied so much about this, what do you suggest a person start doing when they realize that they need to do something? Well, I, I think the first thing to do is um, is to really work on how do I get my minor self to just relax and just to mellow out. So we talk about 
um, sitting quietly for 15 minutes and focusing on your breathing. You can call that meditation or any anything else you want. Um, one of the big things that's come out lately is are these books that you color. They're like really fine and, and uh, detail. And so doing anything that's repetitive and doesn't um, require a whole lot of thought is really good at getting your minor self to kind of be a whole lot quieter throughout the day. Um, I think that the other thing that you do is you practice in writing, if you can, appreciation. What do I appreciate? We get so stuck, and this is, you asked about our subconscious. This is a perfect example of what I think subconscious is. Subconscious is our minor selves saying, ah, you know, well, it was an okay day, I guess, and not sitting down and really looking at what was good about the day. So what happens when we start to appreciate, and I'm, I prefer perf- appreciation over practicing gratitude because I can appreciate anything, but I can't, I'm having a hard time being grateful for Donald Trump, but I can appreciate who he is and why he's there and the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I, I practice appreciation. And then the thing to do in, re, in my mind in terms of goal setting is to write down what the goal is, to be completely honest with yourself about where you are and tell yourself this before you write. Whatever I write, I can't get it wrong. That really does a great job of taking our minor selves, little me, uh, and saying, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about this. You can't get it wrong. I'll, I'll step to the side a little bit. So talk about where you are in gross detail, as ugly as you want it to be doesn't matter, because what happens is kind of like uh, letting the air out of a balloon. So if I feel like I've, I've got to make more money and I've been busy not making money and I'm so focused on that, spell that out and then talk about what's the, and I talk about authentically, what are the stories that I can tell from right where I am right now that help me to move in the right direction. And, and that is one step at a time. There's some things that you can write that are much more, you know, I can, I am actually, um, I've got some money in the bank. It's not as much as I want, but you know, Oh, it's a whole lot better than it was five months ago. And I love mm-hmm. that feeling. And that's the other thing is that all goal setting has to be whatever you write on that page um, you want it to feel good. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take one step back and say the one thing that you can do and do this wrong is if you just write what you think you should be writing and it doesn't feel right. If it feels and you feel it in your gut, you know it, we all know it. But if you are able to write what you want and move to that place where it starts to feel um, a little bit of relief from what you're trying to move from, and a little bit more expectant of what you're trying to move to, man, are you in the sweet spot? And do that as often as you can. Um, you know, not I don't, and I don't mean multiple times a day. I mean two or three times a week. For me, meditation is a, a four time a week goal, and I usually exceed that. But I love, I, I love kind of having a baseline of where I want to be. I want to hear a great story, and, the, and I think we're getting close. Uh, there's a woman in, I can't, I'll see if I can remember her name, in Stanford, who did a study of people who wanted to lose weight. And in the study, they, um, they sat the participants, participants down to sit down and fill out their, their information. And in both cases, there were two groups. They both had a plate of donuts right next to them. And in the first group, they didn't say anything about the donuts. 
and they would leave the room and typically somebody would have a piece of a donut or a donut and they and the staff wouldn't say anything and then the other group the staff would come in and say hey you know we want you to know that you're going to make mistakes so if you have a donut it's okay. What we want you to not do is beat yourself up about it. And do you know that the people that got that talk lost significantly more weight? Who would have thunk it, right? We're so stuck in our little me story about, I got to give it 110% and I cannot make a mistake. And that kind of thinking is exactly what sabotages us. So way more important to in terms of goals and, and daring to be different and making your dreams real to find a place where, from where you're sitting in this moment, I feel a connection emotionally to where I want to go and relief from where I've been. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, wow. I want to thank you for being on the show. What a great perspective. You know, and you're right. You know, saying one thing and believing another, you're never going to get very far with that. So that's just Absolutely. Meta. You know, so we all need to come into um, into the realization that that doesn't get anywhere all the time. I mean, a lot of people do get places, but I just, I, I'm not, you know. So well, and, and that's a great point. A lot of people do get to those places, but they're not happy in the process or when they get there. Our lesser selves mm-hmm. are very, very conditional on something happening down the road. So we beat ourselves up the whole time, and there's that subconscious default thinking of I'm here and now what versus, Oh my God, this has been an up and down road. There's been some adversity, but I've come through it and I've become better for it. And here I am and I'm ready for what's next, man. Oh man. Which one are you going to pick? Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. I want to thank you for being on the show. It has been wonderful. You guys can reach him on all the stories we tell. O H the stories we tell.com. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show. Yeah, yeah. It was my pleasure. I uh, I thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. Believe me. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. All right. And next time, okay, you come back. Oh, I will. It's a deal. All right. Bye. Bye. Wow. We do have things to work on with ourselves. And I do believe that I will be checking out that website a little bit more in depth because I did go there. I did check it out. Um, but it's like, you know, sometimes you just have to check it out for yourself. And I just didn't. I didn't check it out for myself. I checked it out for the show. So now I'm going to go back and check it out for myself. And, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to go ahead and go with our next guest. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Hi, yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Christopher Von Grebe, and I'm the writer and director of an upcoming home invasion horror film called They're in the House. That's right. Something that I don't watch. Horror flicks. Yeah, oh, that's God. okay. I'm, I'm, and my name I'm is also a- Chris, just like your last guest, yes. and I agree with everything he said. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, my gosh. I mean, if we could get into it, it would take the whole show. But, Christopher, tell us about the show, uh, There in the House. Oh, my gosh, right. that just that sounds, to me, that sounds scary. I mean, I'm, I'm a wuss, okay? I'm just a big wuss. I dream <laughs> at night about 
when if I if I go see one, I'm I'm screaming in the middle of the night. That's me. <laughs> oh, that's what we hope for. That's what we hope for. Oh, like as as producers yay. and directors of those kinds of movies, we like to scare people a little bit. So that's that's what's fun. Um, and it's definitely uh, it is certainly spooky. There are parts of it that um, even while I was writing it, I. I had to uh, to put it down for a while and go. Okay, I'm making sure all the doors are locked. Just you know, out of <laughs> sheer paranoia. Um, but it it is fun, and it's a as a home invasion horror. That's a sub genre of horror that I really enjoy. Um, things like uh, the Strangers is probably the most recent and best example of that. Um, and so we we definitely have have taken off from that, you know, our earlier genre roots, like The Strangers and Your Next is another example, and have, have taken it in a little bit of a different direction. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's a story about, it has, it has a female main character, and she suffers from anxiety. And uh, as a part of that, she starts thinking that she's hallucinating in the middle of the night that there are people in her house. And of course, being a horror movie, naturally she finds out that there are, um, and I'll, I'll leave it there, but that is, that is definitely the premise. And it's great to work with a, uh, a, a really great ensemble cast, but also a really strong, um, female main character who, uh, I tried to make sure kind of got everything in the end. Like she, uh, she she does it all by the end of the film as um you know as just a strong sort of hero type figure and so i i enjoyed that oh my gosh okay so you scared yourself basically writing this movie <laughs> i i did i mean that's really why i like to do it is um you know you sort of there's that old adage of write what you know right and i think you also have to write and do as an artist at least things that you enjoy. Um, and so that's, that's definitely where I come from it, you know, come at it from is that this is a a genre and a type of movie that I would want to watch. Um, but yeah, I definitely get to myself sometimes. (laughs) Wow. That's to, to me, that's scary. To me, that's scary. If you get to yourself, I will never write a horror movie. So tell me about the process. <laughs> tell me about the process that you that you had to take in order to create this. Oh sure. Um, so this is definitely a a tiny micro budget feature, and it's very much uh, a labor of love for me. It's something that I've just taken on as my sort of passion project, and that I'm just doing. Um, and I think kind of from the perspective of, of where your show comes from uh, and exactly what your previous guest was talking about, you you have this connection to something. And at some point you have to decide that uh, success is in, is in doing it and not necessarily in somebody else's view of you being successful. And I'd made some short films and I had uh, spent a couple years and – stops and starts of putting together financing of bigger projects that I was a producer on. And that just wasn't coming together. And I finally went, okay, but what do I want to do? Like filmmakers make films 
and and I you know you finally have to sit down with yourself and go wow it's been a while since I've made a film and so I should do something about that but what can I and so I I went okay but what can I make right now like I don't I'm not independently independently wealthy I don't have access to tons of stuff or people or whatever no special privileges so what can I just go make so I wrote this story with uh, the guy who ended up being the director of photography working with me on it. And we mm-hmm. stripped it all down to the, the bare essentials. What do we need? And a home invasion horror is a natural for that type of process because you need very little. You need a uh, someone who's going to be targeted by the invaders, and you need a home for them to invade. And then you've got to come up with some uh, interesting or unique reason that they're there which we have also done i think and so then you kind of start putting the pieces together and you realize well um i i decided that i was taking away everything that wasn't making the movie in other words you can take a project and go well i can't do it because of this i can't do it because of that and and so i took the reverse view i went well i'm making it so what things need to get out of the way in order for me to do that? And I started getting those things out of the way. And here we are headed into production in uh, less than two weeks now. So so there you oh have it. God. Yeah, so you oh just kind of jump. <laughs> well, you just, much, you just yeah. jump. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. So they're in the house. You love things like that. How did you find out that you would be, I mean, I mean, to what, to what extent would it have been for you to realize that this is something you wanted to do in your life? What triggered this? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a long time coming to feature filmmaking for me. Um, I spent a lot of the early part of my life actually as a musician playing in rock bands and then, um, moved on into high tech, have a great job that I love doing. That's certainly one part of my life. Um, but it, it was actually in the, around the early part of the two thousands that I, I was always a writer too. So writing was kind of a natural fit for me. Um, and then I thought, well, I'd like to write a screenplay. So it started with writing screenplays then. Um, and then I was like, well, but to really see it through all the way, a screenplay is really just a blueprint. It's not a finished thing. The finished thing is the right. movie. So that was the that was the jumping off point to me of, of going, well, I'd like to see it all the way through and not um, not stop at the screenplay, but to take it to the next place. And then I started making short films. Um, mm-hmm. And realizing, of course, that that's extremely difficult, and there's a lot to it, and and then just growing from there. Um, it did take. It wasn't until sort of, you know, my 30s, I guess, not to overly date myself, but um, that I I started thinking, well, no, I would like to make some films, and so let's see how that goes. And it just sort of uh, clicked for me, and I realized that that was my 
it was a happy union of a bunch of things that I really enjoy, creative and organizational, kind of the left and right brainedness of, of putting a project like that together, because it really yeah. requires both. Um, huh. and, and I just felt uh, really at home there. And as a, as a creative, and I, I've thought about, <laughs> and I'm sure at different points in your life with different projects, you've felt this. You've gone, How, why did I do this to myself? How am I here? And I want this to stop <laughs> because it's making me nuts. And then I realized, you know, in those couple of projects, and certainly there in the house is one of them, but I realized that even if I did, if I called it all off and just made it go away, I was like, okay, so what would I do the next day? And I realized that the next day, I would be working on another film project or putting this one together again. And I was like, well, that's your answer then. Cause yeah. then it's driven by something else. Like I have to do this. So, so then, then go do it. Mm. Mm. Now. Okay. So the show today is, is definitely about people choosing and you've just chosen. You, you said you chose. Mm -hmm. uh, suggestion do you just I mean what is that that one top thing on your list that you would tell people if they asked you how do you choose uh, I, I I do have I do have a couple answers to that um, one is if if it's a question of someone doesn't know which thing I think at some point you have to cut the noise down and you have to choose the thing. Like if someone's going, well, I don't know if I want to be an auto mechanic or go to nursing school, those are not really complimentary and probably can't happen at the same time. So you've got to pick one and you've got to pick the one that you just feel that connection with. But if mm -hmm. it's, I think the other underlying question is how do you just start? How do you just, how do you choose to to go forward right and i think that i think that in that regard uh i would say embrace the fear like you're scared good because that means it's what you really care about and so then you go forward that's that's what i would do and that's what i do so you wake up in the morning and you go this terrifies me great, let's start, because then you're probably on the right track. If you're not scared, I would say it's probably not deep enough in your gut for you to, for it to really be the thing for you. But if you're scared, I think that's a really good sign. I think you go toward your fear. Mm. I'd say that's, mm, that's where, where what you want is. Right. And wow, wow, wow. Wow. Well, I want to thank you for being on this. Where can people reach you? Yeah, absolutely. More information about the project and contacting me and the rest of us involved in it is all through the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash there in the house. All one word, uh, no punctuation. I love it. Oh, my gosh. I'm scared. Yeah, I hope to get scared. you to see it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see yeah. when it's done. I'll send you a screener. Oh no! Oh my God! <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I'll least send you the trailer, fan. and you can you can watch it, you know, through your fingers and see if you can get through it. Okay, I'll do that. Oh no. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Yaya. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to go ahead and let you go, but I am a big wuss. For I sure. am. A I'm pleasure. a scaredy cat. <laughs> Have a great night. All right. You too. Bye. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just, okay, just the fact that we've had two people here on the show today that have agreed with each other. Both of their names are Christmas, but that has really nothing to do with it. The whole thing is they made a choice. And and the first person said it's really not if you say, oh, I am going to be this big positive person and everything is going to go well for me and just because I think it up, I can do it. Now, the law of attraction, yes, I do believe there is an aspect to it. I do believe. But I also believe that you have to make a choice and the decision to change your life internally before you can get an external result. So, I mean, that's pretty much the way it is for me because it doesn't – and like you said, even, though, even, if you, even if you reach the point where you think you will be happy, happiness doesn't come because you've reached the point where you think you will be happy. You have to decide to be happy where you're at. And that takes a while. That takes a minute. So go to oldestorieswetell.com if you want to know more about that. And also, the Electric Secret Films writer-director Christopher Vaughn Gribb uh, announced the cast, the shooting dates, and other details of upcoming horror film there in the house. So you want to go to facebook.com forward slash they are there, T-H-E-Y-R-E. In the house, there in the house. Oh my gosh! Even even the poster that he has that's up there on the top scares me. I am the scariest. I, I mean, I'm just I'm a wuss. What can I say? And we we are expecting one. Two, we have. Oh my gosh! We still have three more guests that I'm expecting on the show today. I'm hoping that everyone will call in on time because it's such it's such a I put everything into this show today, everything into this show, just so that you can see all the people that are out there doing something. And, and like, like Christopher said from the, the film director, like he said, if you're afraid of it, jump in, do it. It's always going to be there, the fear. The fear is always going to be there. Will I succeed? Will I fail? What will it take? How do I do this? Who do I know? I don't know anybody. I mean, Seriously, you're just going to have to go for it. I was talking to someone the other day, and I told them, and they said that they had rented a room. They had rented an apartment, but they haven't moved yet because they don't have any furniture. And so it's been a couple of months since they um, have not moved, but they've been paying the rent at the, the new, you know, the new location. And I told them, well, well, what do you mean you don't have any furniture? And they're like, well, we don't have any furniture right now to move in. I haven't found anything. And I'm going, okay, wait, 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 wait. What you have to do is move in. Because if you don't move in, then you won't have the pressure to find furniture. And you'll be paying for a place that you're not living in, which is really a waste. So every day you take a box over to this new location. And as you move in, little by little, you'll notice that the urgency to get that, to get that furniture, to get it, however you can get it, whatever you can afford to get, it will come. You know why? Because we are problem solvers our brains immediately begin to solve the problem and we have we have 
so much knowledge within us that we don't really understand and we can tap into. Um, so, yes, it's not going to be an instant, oh, I love it, oh, I'm walking through the tulips, oh, I feel great. No, it's not. But it's, it's going to be a little scary, and that's okay because guess what? We all have issues that we have to deal with. We all have problems we have to solve, and that's just the way life is. But if you don't tackle life, if you don't run after it, if you don't go after it, if you don't understand the internal happenings in your body and your mind, then externally you'll never get ahead. Even if physically and, and monetarily you do, emotionally you will remain the same. I hope you know it is your choice to move forward, not just physically, not just in your goals, but mentally and spiritually. And so I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you today that life is scary. Life presents issues and problems, and, and life is, is beautiful all at the same time. I mean, what kind of a joy or satisfaction will you get if you don't go after the goals that you believe that you want in life. So we all have a choice to make. What is your choice today? That's what I want to know. What is your choice today? What is it that you would like to do? And so, you know, with with all of this and, and with all of this said, um, I'm really, really excited about the choice that I made uh, to go ahead and be on the Caribbean Community Radio. It was something that I didn't know what was going on. My husband had referred me. He said, go down to this radio station and talk to them. I'll go talk to them about what? Well, talk to them. Just go talk to them. So I went and talked to them, and they were like, well, why are you here? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I told them. I said, I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. But I'm a radio show host. And I write and I sing and I've done TV and things like that. And they were like, well, wait a minute. And so, bang, there it is. Now, Dream Chasers Radio is in all of the Caribbean, on the Caribbean community radio. Yeah. Was it scary to sit there in the chair and look this person in the eye and then have the person's partner who is the head of the entire station, and they have more than one station, by the way, come in and sit down and speak with me, and all I could say is, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. You know why I went? Because you never know what opportunity can come knocking on your door that you never take. Fear or because not knowing what you should do there, well, just go. I went. I went. I'm so happy I did because, I, I I mean, look at all the things that came out of it. To me, that's amazing, from not knowing anything to, hey, this is what I do. Can you use me? Of course. Yes. To me, it's just, it's important to be available even when you don't understand why you're being available, what's the purpose of your availability and why you're there, say, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. 
and this is what I can do. Do you need someone like that? I think it's amazing, though, that being in the right place at the right time is sometimes inconvenient. That's right. Being at the right place at the right time is sometimes inconvenient. See, I was on my way back to my office. I had a show to do. And it wasn't it was a little bit it wasn't too much, but it was a little bit inconvenient, but it was okay because I had time. But the most inconvenience to me was not knowing why I was there. But I've learned throughout these wonderful adventures that I've had with Dream Chasers Radio that sometimes things and opportunities just don't make sense. So our first guest asked me to sing, and sing like, you know, a minor scale and a major scale. I don't really play the piano. I sing. But I know a major scale is a C and, a, and you know, and a D and an E and an F, and then you have your minor scale, which are all, pretty much all the black keys, which are minor or major or sharps. And it's like, yeah, I know them, but... You know, I know it in a song format. Is that scary for me to say, well, I can't do that right now. I don't have a keyboard. No, because I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I know I can sing and I know I hear the voice and I know when I sit down at the keyboard, I can play it. And I know that I, I'm a great harmonizer and I can do all that. But if I don't have a keyboard in front of me, I don't know the keys very well unless I hear them first. And that's okay. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. And and for some people, that can be very scary because they don't want to show their weakness. They don't want to show the part of them that, that may, you know, may have a little bit of a fault in it, but I, I don't care. Could I have? I probably could have. I could have tackled it. I didn't want to do it because I want to be honest. I want to be very clear. Do I believe that I'm a great singer? I believe I'm a great singer. I do. Is that stuck up? No. A great singer for me, for my voice and what I can do and what the gift has been placed within me, am I satisfied with my voice? I am happy with my voice. Do I want to improve my voice? Of course. Do I want to improve knowing the keys? Of course I do. I mean, there isn't one person that doesn't want to improve on their craft. But it's my choice. And I do it. I do. Are you? Christopher Von Greb said that, or Greb, he said, jump. It may just be scary, but that's okay. You can do it. You can do it. You can jump. And I want you to. Man, I tell you one thing. It is your choice. And I'm going to go ahead and go to our next guest. And uh, I think I know who this is. Hello? Hello, you're on the air. Uh, Is that me you're talking about? 
No, of course not. I'm not talking to you. Who are you? <laughs> Hello, Jaja. It's Nelson. How you doing? Nelson Alvarez. I knew it was you. That's not going to bother you. Hi, Nelson. How are you? <laughs> Very good. You tricked me. <laughs> I did. I did. I had to. <laughs> so, Nelson, tell I everybody say what thank you do. Oh, no well, problem. First, tell I want to say thank you. I'm, I work for Fusilo Kia. I'm one of their salesmen. Uh, been with him since uh, the store in Cape Coral, and I'm over at the uh, Port Charlotte store now. Mm-hmm. And no, no, you and, can't just uh, leave that <laughs> um, Well, it's 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 really a it, it, it's a passion that I have actually right now, um, helping people. I mean, if, if you listen to the commercials of Huge, um, he has he he really does embrace the community, and he tries to help as many people as he can. Um, one of the most important things that, that I see is how many people are out there that unfortunately have gone through situations in their lives, and we all have gone at, at some point, I think, uh, monetarily. And a lot of times they turn to trying to start over again, and they get to any dealership, and sometimes they turn away those dealerships that have certain criterias, and they don't even want to work with you. And, um, that's my specialty there. That's, uh, my specialty is working with people that have had challenges and um, trying to help them out. Hmm. Now, most people would say that's not your business. You know, why are you so passionate about this? Well, I've I've been one of those people that have had those situations. Um, I've been in those uh, challenge moments. And I've had family members, and I think that I, I relate to that because of that. Um, we don't want to be put in those situations. Sometimes uh, it's either health, like it was in my in my case, or the economy, or um, you had a great job, or and that job for some reason something happened, and you were put in those situations. It doesn't mean that we're bad people. It just means we we were placed in this in a situation where we just couldn't do better at that moment. But I think we're all entitled to a second chance. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a testament of that, you know, and, and I have family members that have been through that. So for that, that's where my passion comes in. It's not just, it's not just the passion that I have and the love that I have for cars. And, and, and I've, I've been a car guy all my life since I was a kid. But I guess after going through those situations and seeing family go through those, now to me it's when I see someone come in and, I, I told you this story once. I said, you know, mm-hmm. anybody with anybody with an 800 credit score can come in and buy whatever they want anywhere they go. That's easy, you know. And, and God bless you if you're there, you know, or you've never had any situations. Great, fantastic. But what about the people that maybe were there or are trying to get there or they had really good credit and they had decent credit and something came up, health, someone in the family, uh, they had a move, et cetera, and things changed. What about them? Do we just forget about those? Because right. So yeah. So so you know, like I said, that's the challenge. Um, it's 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 a little bit more work. Um, not everybody likes to work a little extra. Um, but to me, it's it's the the gratitude I get after. Um, mm-hmm. When when you when you work for someone and you tell them, hey, listen, I couldn't get it done today but this is what I'm going to need and give me another couple of days and I'm going to try to do it. And if I don't get it done, 
this is the way I look at it. If I don't get it done, if for some reason, you know, we worked the banks, we called them, we tried what we could, we couldn't do it, we called another bank, at least when that person leaves, they'll know what they need to do down the road, whether it be two months, three months. I just had a lady that was 358 days later. She came back and she goes, Nelson, I did everything exactly like you told me to do. And lo and behold, she left. I have her on my Facebook post. She bought a vehicle. She left in a car. So mm-hmm. those, are, those are the ones that really, really spark something in me. And that, that's, what I, that's what I enjoy doing. Wow. Wow. Now, okay. All right. So you enjoy helping people get into that car that they love. But what, what I mean, why do you, what made you realize that this was something that you truly love? And by the way, I want to say this. You are not only just a salesperson, you are one of the number one salesperson people at Kia. You are the, one of the number one. So you can't be like all, you know, like, you know, oh, I just sell cars. No. no. <laughs> Don't even go there. Thank you there. very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, grat- it's a lot of great, gratefulness on my part. Um, and some humbleness uh, that I need to keep um, because of, I, I think that because of what I do do for people, um, they, they really, they really, they're really grateful for what I did. And then I get, you know, one of the biggest compliments that, that I think that you can give me is when you send someone that you love or a best friend or a neighbor. And I get that. And that's, what's made me, that's what's pushed me to the position that I am there. Um, the referrals and the, and the love I get back. Um, today, someone came in from someone I sold three months ago. Um, unfortunately, she had a car accident. It, it happens. And the first thing her friend told her was, go see Nelson, you know, and um, that's the love. That's, that's, where, that's, that's where I say that uh, the passion that I put into it, that all that work, that's, that's where I get the return, that love from those, those particular customers that I get. And even the ones that I can't sell today, you know, that they saw that I, I went above and beyond. Um, right. coming back or even sending or even sending the neighbor or their friend even though they didn't get a car because I spent that time with them and they came in and I didn't look at them like you're just a number on the credit score you know because um, we're not right you know you, you, and you know <laughs> to me that's the hardest thing to tell a person you know how do you tell that person oh. that can't get the car I mean oh my that, gosh that's got to be hard. I mean, they come in with these hopes and aspirations. And besides, thank you for selling me my car. Uh, they come in with these that, hopes. You're very and welcome. And, and, and they come to you and you can't. And and, and oh. obviously you can't. And it's going to be a long time before you can because they have one of those credit scores that just not uh, three months just won't do. Uh, and, and, I, and I get them, you know. And um, honestly, when – when you work hard at them and you, and, and you shoot it to this thing. And, and, and I just want to say one of the things that we do here at Priscilla, um, he does something that very, very few dealerships do. And that's when you walk in and you have less than a 580 credit score, we work with you. There is, there is a large majority of dealerships when you walk in and you don't have a 580 or above, they won't even look at you. They basically tell you, we can't do anything for you. So, 
that's where I come in. That's that's where my 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 thing comes in. Um, I have customers that they come in and they can they can pretty much buy anything they want. And I have customers that are in that category that we're talking about under that 580, under that 620, uh, you know, under the 500. And if I can't get them done, which like it, it, it's devastating and it's hard because a lot of times you have people that come in and you see them they're in a little they're in a little get get me go. Um, you know, it's it's about to fall apart, the transmission slipping and. And you know they need a vehicle. They got a family, and and they're like Nelson. You know what? What can you do for me? So and so sent me here, and we got them in a vehicle. But not all parameters are the same. Not everything is exactly the same. It's a big puzzle, and just like a puzzle, you got to put all the pieces in and make it fit somehow. Um, and sometimes we're missing a piece or two, you know. And that's where that 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 extra time that I take to to give them those steps to tell them this is what we need so that when you come back next time. Um, this is what I need you to do, and this is what I need. And, and then they leave, even if I have to call them back in a couple of days and say, hey, listen, you know, we tried every angle. Uh, I just can't pick you up right now. But you know what you need to do, and at least they know that. That's, that to me is just as, just as gratifying. And I know it's not the same because they didn't leave in their vehicle, but they didn't go someplace and just told them, no, you can't do anything, and they don't have any idea what to do. Right. Wow. Now, you have decided that this is what you want to do. This is what you love to do. And it, it, it brings you joy to do this and to help others get into that vehicle um, that they normally probably wouldn't even get into any other place. What would you say to a person, you know, because happiness doesn't really come with owning your own job or business or doing something extraordinary like saving the, the planet or something, but just doing what you can do. I mean, you know, most people think that they they won't be happy unless they do this, or they won't be happy unless they do that. What is happiness for you, Nathan? Um, you know, for me, happiness is fitting someone in the right vehicle. Um, you know, it, it's like when I see someone and I tell them, and I get this: people come in and they they'll say, you know, I, I want this vehicle or I want this or I gotta have this, and and I gotta be able to tell them, you know, well can we have a plan B, you know, and, and me being able to explain to them, you know, this is, this is where your payments are. This is, this is what you need to do to crawl before you can walk. And this is where you're, you're, you're walking right now. Let's get you to the running status. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're running, let's get you into sprinting. So those are the different vehicles that I got to be able to talk. And when I, and when I explain those things to someone and I see it, I see it click in their head, like, wow, you know, and, and, and the importance of, you know, this isn't a second or third or fourth car. This is the car. This is what they need. Um, and, and, and they come with these ideas because they don't really understand. And, you know, they see the neighbor and the guy down the block and they get to work and everybody has all these fancies. And maybe they don't have the fancy fancy car right now. Maybe they just got to start being able to talk to them and, and having them understand that this is just a stepping stone. Or maybe we got to do the one with just the power windows and without the uh, sunroof, you know but that they can leave in a car that they got this fantastic warranty that, that we have at our, at our Kia's um, being able to be in a situation where they don't have to worry about anything for the next three years on the vehicle, as far as just gasoline and oil. That to me is important. That to me is something that um, it, it, it really, it really sets me well to be able to see someone and say, you know, when they come back for that oil change and say, Oh, Nelson, we're so happy. And by the way, you know, my 15 year old is already 16 and I don't have to worry about when he or she is going to the movie theater with their friends. Cause I know they got a decent car. 
That's important. Mm. That's that's where my passion is. <laughs> and I love that. I absolutely love it. I I mean, to me, most people don't realize that happiness is from within and not from without. Yes. You know, and it's what you do that makes you happy, and that's what matters. You know, um, and and you definitely make so many people happy. You know, when they come in and you're able to get them the vehicle that they they can get into. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. And it's not, and like yeah. I said, you know, mm-hmm. Jaya, you know, it's not, it's not, what's important to me, and, and, and I, a lot of times, like I said, you know, what's important for me is that I can fulfill that situation that they're in, you know, um, that, they, that they have, you know, single moms, uh, how many of them are there out there? I mean, I was raised by one after the age of 16, uh, my dad passed away, so there's you go, just, you know, a hard, hard woman working and has children. In my case, I was a little older, but how about the moms that have small children and they're in the car that they really, you know, it, it's, it's not going to give them along. It's not going to get them along for the next couple of years. And they come in and they're like, you know, Nelson, I'm, I'm on a limited budget or, um, you know, I don't really got a lot of help or, well, let me see what I can do for you. Let me see what other cars I have. Let me see what other situations, you know, that I could put you in, what other models. So, um, and, and being able to see them leave in a, in a really good, decent car and not a car that has 100,000 miles and, in, in you know, who knows what's going to happen in another six months. That's right. my passion. Mm. And that's important. That's yeah. very important. And it's very important. And it's very important. It is. It's very yeah. important to me because uh, of, of this, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I mean, I have, I have a daughter. I, uh, I have a mom. I have a wife, um, and, and I see these young, young, younger moms coming in. They're just starting to get, you know, trying to get things working for themselves. They got five or six year old, or maybe two kids, and they, you know, they have a little help, and, and they're on their own. And you know, they got to wake up in the morning, go to work, uh, pick up the kids, drop them off, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you know, it's just just the thought of having them on the side of the road and and, and coming on their way uh. from a hard day of work and their kids in the car. Yes. That's that's where my passion is, Jaja. That's where that's where the love for my for my job is. <laughs> right, and that's oh my gosh, yeah. No, I can't, I can't see that either. I just yeah. can't. And so, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, so Nelson, when you're speaking to someone, and you tell them, you know, so they ask you, man, what is your advice for me? You know what would what would you tell them? You know about life, about about getting to the point of happiness, and where you know where they should be in life. Not what they should do, but like where does happiness come from? What would you tell them? Well, the most important thing that you have is happiness has to come from something that you love to do, um, and, and you have to and you have to be willing to teach someone or at least do it. Um, I love I love teaching anybody who comes into to our job. There are a lot of newcomers come in, and um, I don't have any any qualms about if this if this is what they want to do, or maybe they're not sure. Um, teaching them and, and expressing to them the most important thing is loving what you do and loving why you do it, and, and that's why I go to work every day. My wife sometimes says to me, "You know, it's your day off." I says, "Yeah," 
you know, and she's, you're going to work. Yeah. You know, are you tired? Uh, a little. And she's, she just looks at me and she goes, you really love what you do, don't you? She says, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, she has to keep me home sometimes. You know, it's like, no, today it's time to stay home. You know, we're going to spend a little time together. But I, I, I do. I wake up in the morning with a smile. I wake up, I, I drive to work happy. And um, I think that that's one of the most important things that we all have to do. You know, I, I, I've always said I wasn't meant to be maybe something else. I was meant to do something like this because of the joy and passion I get out of it. And that's what you need to find. Mm-hmm. Find what you really love. Well, and, and I appreciate it. And definitely, you know, your joy and everything that you do and everything that you've done, it really, really shows. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, being a part of, of something that's so important to so many people. Thank you, Jaja. Thank you very much. All right. So where can people reach you? And how can they get a car? Well, <laughs> well I'm, I'm, I'm personally at the Port Charlotte store. It's for Salokia, Port Charlotte. And that's in uh, 202 Miami, uh, Town Miami Trail, Port Charlotte, Florida, 33953. Now, you can just go to Facilokia, F-U-C-C-I-L-L-O-Kia, and um, I'm at the Port Charlotte store. You can you also look for me in Facebook. Oh, you cut you off can of look, you can, uh, okay. Um, you can go to the uh, Priscilla Kia, F-U-C-C-I-L-L-O, Priscilla Kia in Port Charlotte. That's where I'm at. Um, you can always look me up in my Facebook, Nelson Alvarez. You'll see me with the red shirt, with the Kia shirt. And um, I'll, I don't have a problem giving out my numbers. Um, my uh, extension at work is 941-249-6286. Or you can just call the store and have them uh, tell me you want to talk to Nelson, and they'll just transfer the call right to my cell phone. Um, the only thing I ask of everyone is if you're going to call the store and, and you see that I don't answer, it's not because I don't want to. I may be on the other line. Leave a message. I do get back to all my phone calls. And, you know, I, I'm, I want to say that uh, thank you, you know, for giving me this opportunity to talk to everyone and, and to be on your show. Uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure. Uh, and uh, whatever I can do for someone, if I can do it, and if it's within my reach, you know personally that, that I will try. I know that. I know that. I was there all day. And I'm going to tell you, you, you know, getting that, getting that car in, because I had a car that was upside down, a little more yep. than what it was worth. And uh, you made it happen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, then. Nelson, this is going to be on 97.5 FM. It's going to be on the Caribbean Community Radio, as well as Bomb Baby Radio and all of our networks. So I'm hoping that you get a lot of people coming your way and you just let them know that uh, Dream Chasers Radio loves you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jaja. God bless. All right. All right, you too. Bye. 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 Amazing. You know, so look. In life, we're happy and we're best in life when we're doing what we love to do. Guys, seriously, you know, some people want to be writers. Some people want to help. Some people want to be, uh, you know, I mean, what do you want to do? Go ahead and do it. And if you find that one thing that you love, 
and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this with all honesty. Okay, I have a regular job too. I do. Uh, uh, truth be told, yes, I do. I have a regular job, and I love it. And I mean, I'm, I'm not at liberty to tell you what it is because I'm under contract. However, what I do is I help. I help people. I mean, I can't see my life going by without helping others. And so I help people. And you guys knew back in the day I was um, I was a home health aide. And no, I'm no longer in that profession, but I do do something in that field, in the healthcare field. And um, I can't see myself not helping. So many things that a person can do in life that will bring you the satisfaction. It'll bring you happiness because you're doing what you know you're supposed to do in life. You're doing what you set out to do in life. You're doing what you love to do in life. And regardless of what that may be, as long as it's healthy and it doesn't harm other people, um, as long as you're happy, that's what matters. That's where it counts. And so we've had people on this show today tell you about their choice and their choice to do what they do in life. I think that most people think that you need to be or we need to be these great superstars to, you know, achieve success and be happy. No. No, we don't have to be these great superstars. And everybody knows our name and it's a household name. No, we don't have to be. If that is not your goal, then, and if you're already happy and your goal is just something that's in addition to your happiness, then you have success. Happiness is not something that is allotted with you when you get money. It's not happiness is not something that that comes at you when when you achieve the uh, enchilance of the you know top you know <laughs> no happiness is something that you achieve when there's nothing but you that no one really knows about you, that you haven't really gone forward in your dream, but you can smile. You have a great life, and making it would just be an addition to the happiness that you already possess. It is your choice to be happy to find happiness where you're at in life. Where are you in life? What is it or what will it to make you completely happy? Will it be that perfect guy, the perfect car, the perfect career, that one perfect house down the street on the hill? 
with the roundabout driveway. That'll make you happy. I challenge you today. And I tell you, Car, that guy or girl, that whatever, that career, if you're not already happy, it will bring contention, more unhappiness. Because even though you may have what you want, happiness does not come with possessions. I've learned so many things. I've seen so many things. I've lost so many things. This moment in my life, I can say I'm happy because I've gained me. In the midst of all the trials and tribulations, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of everything and everyone going crazy around me, losing everything, I lost everything. I did. Just right in the recession 10 years ago, I literally lost everything. My house, my car, my business. My money, I even ended up owing the IRS. I started off all again 10 years ago. My husband, my my daughter, and myself with $3,000, all we had. And you know what? I was happy. I wasn't happy that I lost it all. I was happy within myself to understand that even though I did lose it all, even though we lost a a multi-million dollar business, even though we lost it all, that didn't and wasn't and will never be and could never be the reason that I was happy. See, for me, happiness is waking up in the morning and understanding who I am. Happiness to me is family, friends, good friends, true friends, not associates, people I can call. You know who you are. And will reply and be like, yeah, and then I can call them and find out what they're doing and bother them and just nag them. <laughs> Happiness to me is a smile on my face when I think about my family, when I think about my friends, when I think about all the things that are going on. And I can still be sane. Do I want that multi-million dollar business again? I don't know. I never really 
thought after a multi-million dollar business. I just did what I love to do. What made me happy, like Nelson said, that's what I did. And it became that. And then the recession, I lost. And then it wasn't because the freaking business wasn't my happiness. Coming out of it with $3,000 is just enough to start over again. Most people would say, $3,000 is all you had. That's all I had, guys. That's it. That's what I had. I had $3,000. Actually, I had six, but I owed the government three, so I paid them the three, and I kept three. Hey. Most people would say, well, how the heck did you start over again with $3,000? I'm going to tell you what I did. I moved out of the area I was in. Clear across two and a half hours away, probably moved. I rented a house that was pretty fairly, you know, inexpensive. And I took a month off. Oh, yeah, I did. I took a month off. And I rode my bike. And I exercised and I ran and I relaxed and got my head clear. And then I began to take shows, singing, and started over again with something, guess what, that I love to do. So when we think of happiness and a choice to be happy, evidently your choice. But it also is not materialistic. It's within you. It's within me. When when I think about the times, you know, and the tribulations and the 10 years ago and everything that has happened, um, I smile because there's strength in starting over. There's courage, but also there's a choice. I could have cried. I could have tried to hold on to what I had. I could have begged and pleaded. And I just, it was my choice to leave. It was my choice to move on. We needed a new start, and we got one. Am I happier now? I can say that I am definitely more sane, and happier. My happiness has increased because now I'm truly doing something that I absolutely love to do. Something that no one can take away from me. Something that I can do. I can truly do it. Do I have shortcomings? Yes. Do I have faults? Yes. Am I perfect? No. (laughs) Am I happy? Yes, completely. Your choice is yours to make. The move you have to make, the inward move you have to make, the decisions that come with Everything with life. Do your best. But love yourself. 
Be in love with who you are. And if you're not, make the choice to change. I would say it's imperative that we understand our interconnection with each other. You're listening to me today. We're interconnected. We're intertwined. We are on the same path right now. We're walking side by side. And we will be here for a little while longer. And then you will have to make that choice of what you want to do with your life. But I say right now that the biggest thing that you could do for yourself or for anyone around you is begin to love who you are and what you do. And if you don't, just like I did, just like we all do, you have some choices to make. And we're going to go ahead and go with our next guest. I'm going to go ahead and ask, thank you for giving a call. And please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Hello. 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 Hey. Hello. Thank you for calling in. This hey, is what's up, what's up? Hey, you're on the show. Yeah, Tell yeah, everybody yeah. who you are and what you do. What's going on, everyone? Um, I'm Keith Van Gogh. I go by the name Keith Van Gogh. I'm a producer, songwriter, um, engineer, uh, pretty much everything from the start to the finish. I do everything creatively in my music world. So uh, that's what I'm here to do, you know, because in positive vibes and everything, that's what I'm about. Uh, Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm hanging. I'm doing it. All right, Keith. So tell us how you got started, man. What 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 propelled you towards the music industry? Uh, so to be honest, growing up, I guess probably like many of us, um, who grew up lucky enough to to actually, I guess, witness the stardom of uh the legendary Michael Jackson, um. At least, you know, for me as a child, I got to witness, you know, him in, in the 90s era, uh, era where he was pretty much like a superhero. I mean, to me, he was like a superhero. So that was like the first thing that attracted me just into the idea of someone having powerful enough music to make us feel like he was an actual hero, which to me, he still is a hero. So, so I had, you know, a moment happened for me where it was like, wow, this is something that I would want to be, you know. Hmm. Mm. So, watching Michael Jackson doing what you do now, what did what what right. what was the takeaway for you? What was the takeaway? A lot of people will say that yes, Michael Jackson was an inspiration, but what was your specific takeaway? Was it the dancing? Was it the vocals? Was it was it the way he his showmanship? What exactly was it? I think. Um, it was a little bit of everything, but I mean, uh, so there's, I guess somewhat of an odd flip on the story is I wasn't actually able to necessarily, you know, I was able to like watch, you know, some of his things on TV, but I grew up in actually, I'm actually from Alabama. I'm like, I'm out here in Brooklyn now, but I was born in Alabama until I was about six years old. And uh, I grew up in a very Southern um, religious background with religious family that really didn't allow too much switching into any music outside of um, 
you know, outside of like gospel music. So for me, uh, any chance that I was able to actually actually witness uh, any of his great performances, you know, it was such a big deal. And even like I guess coming up in a again religious household, even like you know the religious people, you know, all, all of the church friends would still pay attention to what this dude was doing on stage. And um, to me, that you know, it just stood out. He was even a hero in the churches. And uh, that was, like, sort of the first representation of someone in a musical world that even grabbed the attention of, I guess, um, you know, really strong, grounded religious people that, uh, you know, it was like they were, they were even forced, they were even blown away by his talent. So I guess just in general, I mean, to me, to see that sort of world impact on, like, every ethnicity, every background, every, um, you know, no matter where you're from, every race, everything, um, that really stood out to me, and I just made, you know really inspired me to try to have that sort of impact on people's lives. Right, right. Wow, wow. So, all right. So you're into the you got the music done. You're, you're doing your music. What what has been the biggest challenge that you faced so far? To me, the biggest challenge is actually taking the risk, taking the leap, and actually trying to pursue this um, as a career. Um, that was that was a huge, I guess you know, jump off the cliff moment for me. I did the whole college route, um, even though I always, you know, I started making beats when I was like a kid, like 15 years old. But again, you know, typically I wasn't like encouraged to like you know do this for the rest of my life. So it was a really big you know moment for my life to just take a leap and um, just do the music thing, and uh, that's, that's what I've been doing ever since. Mm-hmm. And why the name Keys? I mean, what is what 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 is that uh, the name? How did you get that name? So that sort of came around, um, just around it's like two different components that came up with like two separate parts. So first Keys, that part was just given to me from being around in the studio with people, and um, you know I was a dude. I was always playing piano. I was two years when I was younger, hmm. um, so. You know, it was always a different, you know, thing when somebody, you know, I, I guess, honestly, I guess for me, in my neighborhood, it was different for anyone to, like, play the piano, you know, um, again, except for outside of church, but typically, um, it just wasn't something you saw often, so, you know, it, it, the name stuck immediately, it's like, yo, the dude on the keys, and that just transformed into keys. The Van Gogh part actually came from a tough moment during this process of when I took this leap, um, I found myself, in, you know, making a lot of sacrifices for music, and then when you're, when you're already forced with that pressure to, um, you know, your back is against the wall, and on top of that, you know, in the industry, sometimes you, you get told that you have to be a certain sound, you have to fit a certain look, or, you know, be in a certain genre, that didn't really rub too well with me after already having taken so many sacrifices, and it's like, at the time, I was actually working at the Met Museum. So I'm actually being exposed to a lot of art, a lot of, like, renaissance art, a lot of, like, you know, revolutionary artists. And uh, I came across Vincent Van Gogh, of course. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot about his story. And it's like I learned about, you know, how pretty much, you know, in general, you know, again, I, I don't want to bore you too much with all the details and with, yeah. with the art okay. and everything. But, um Basically, you know, long story short, uh, you know, he was he was this artist in a time where everyone was painting a certain way, using certain colors, and, you know, just wasn't connecting to inner artists and himself. He wanted to uh, do something unique. He wanted to represent his own sort of take on things. And 
you know, he also had some mental health problems, you know, same things that Kanye West is accused of. Um, but at the same time, it was just this constant need that he wanted to just do something different. He wanted to do something revolutionary. And at the time, I started to feel that way as a producer and songwriter, uh, writing songs for different people, different artists, and different genres. But at the same time, almost immediately in these meetings, it would be like, hey, we want something that sounds like this, or we need something like that, which immediately as an artist strips you away from the creative expression that, you know, you're supposed to be standing for. So I remember joking around with one of my friends and saying, like, yo, I'm tired of people telling me what what to do, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, I feel like Van Gogh, like, I'm going to just fucking top off my ears. And I don't want to hear what everybody else wants me to do and everything. And then it just sort of connected itself from there. I was like, yo, I'm like, he's Van Gogh joking around. And then my boy was like, yo, this is like, that's actually a dope ring to it. And, like, and it just stuck from there. That was, like, a few years ago. And uh, mm. it really just connected with me. Mm-mm-mm. Now tell me about your song Night. Okay. Uh, so that song is actually it deals with uh, some 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 issues, some things that I, I had going on at a, at a time, some difficult times, and um, it, it sort of deals with a relationship that I was going through, where I guess again, like my views on just wanting to be happy and create, you know, and, instead of like sticking to like what society tells us to do, you know, you got to go to school, do this whole college thing, and do everything else, and you know, at this time, I felt like I had opposing views with uh, the person I was in a relationship with, and uh, you know, they, you know, they they supported me, but at the same time, because of the path that I chosen, it sort of caused a disconnect in the sense of, uh, I guess, the security. Uh, you know, there was a problem with security in the relationship on, on whether or not the path that I'm choosing is really going to be stable enough for a future. So. This sort of song um, brought me back to a specific night where we kind of had a fall out and uh, choose, you know, my dreams or, you know, this, this person I was in love with. And, uh, you know, I had these, like, sorry about that. I'm outside in Brooklyn, around, <laughs> out here in Brooklyn right now. But, um, yeah, so, you know, it, it, I... I felt like I was being forced to choose between my dreams or uh, or love, and um, I I would have these sort of day night dreams where I'm just like thinking throughout the day, of where it's like you know like, you know, am I gonna have to end this relationship because I want to choose to like you know, you know, choose to be happy with my dreams and everything, and um, it really put me in a rough spot mentally, and um, you know, it's just like the song revolves around the idea of like you know this this distant relationship that happened uh, that unfortunately had to end because I'd rather uh, choose my dreams over the relationship and uh, just the idea that, you know, this could have been like the perfect relationship if we were somehow able to find that balance between, uh, you know, I guess some people will call it dreams and reality. You know, we're, we're capable of making any dream a reality. So, mm. yeah, you know, mm. it comes from, it comes from, a, you know, it, it comes from a negative space of, uh, I guess at the end of the day, is showing how loyal I am to my dreams and you know what I believe in. Wow. Well, we're gonna go ahead and play that song right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's go into it. Let's go into it and uh, vibe up now with with that deeper understanding and maybe listen from a different perspective. Definitely. All right, here we go. Night by Keith Van Gogh.
I'm wrapped up, faded, I'm jaded, confused, I'm washed out, wasted, can't shake it all over you. It's a good life, we had one, I bid you adieu. The more I go for you, the more I I had a, I still do have a hard time sometimes believing 
I guess, in myself. And, um, you know, when I do these live shows, to see the love I get back and um, just strangers sometimes, the way, you know, the responses I get from strangers is constantly fuels me to continue to believe in myself because, I, you know, I, I let myself, my, uh, you know, I let my, my own belief in myself uh, or lack of belief in myself actually hold me back for a long time. You know, I, I try to take things in steps. Um, you know, maybe I'll just stick to being, you know, making beats because there's no way I can, you know, write songs and, you know, live up to being like anything like Michael Jackson. But of course, you know, I let a lot of these things like hold me back. So it's like I tried to, again, just impress myself to just being a producer. Then that grew into me being a producer and songwriter. And, you know, out of that doubt, somehow, you know, grew, I guess, the strength to go ahead and try to give the thing a, a try as an artist or whatever. And um, just being honest, you know, a lot of people don't really be, they're not up front with uh, how hard and how scary it can be. Um, just really leave yourself vulnerable as an artist and uh, put your own personal life out there through songs. So um, for me, uh, that pushes me to, you know, when I, when I get the love back from people, when I get the reactions, and I get people that, are, you know, like legit want a T-shirt, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know why you want a T-shirt with my name on it, but, you know, cool, I'll spray paint a T-shirt, give it to you, that's cool. But for them, I guess they represent the, the bigger dream that I guess I, I still see in um, just trying to be who you are, be yourself, and not let anything hold you back from uh, living your best life, being the best version of you, so... That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me wanting to be a better person. And um, I, I really still, you know, in my mind, I, I want to try to connect with people the same way Michael Jackson did. I want to have a positive impact in the world. I want to, um, you know, draw attention to some things that I personally feel like are, are not going right, providing a good vibe and making people feel good. You know, you listen to a lot of Michael Jackson songs, uh, which came out in the disco era. And a lot of people, you know, doing a lot of crazy things, dancing, you know, it's, it's a good rhythm, but a, a lot of times he's actually saying some deeper things in his music. And it's like, if you don't run it back and realize, wait a minute, he did like four verses on this song, want to be starting another. And, um, you know, he's actually saying some real, some real messages in that song. And um, I want to have that same effect. I want to make people feel good while also like highlighting, hey, like we can do better in this aspect. We could, we could unite this way better, you know. To see an overall positive impact. Mm. Mm. Wow, wow. So, what's next for you? Uh, so right now I'm currently working on. Um, I'm kind of hand selecting. I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so I sit on a few songs like that. The song, the beat that you just heard, I made that beat actually over a year ago, two years. But um, you know, I sit on things a lot and marinate, let my let my life marinate. So I got a few songs that um I'm in the works of releasing uh, with some visuals right away. Uh, I just say it's gonna be a busy summer because I'm, I'm definitely releasing a lot of material within the next two months. And uh, believe it or not, I got to actually someone hit me up uh, to book me for a show later this week. So literally before I hop on the phone with you guys, uh, I just got like a new show that I'm actually I'm hitting Electric Bowery in New York City. Thursday, I think it's going to be at 9.30. 9.30, I'm in the stage. So if you're in the New York area, if you had, uh, you're familiar with Electric Bowery, look it up. Keys Van Gogh, I'll be there Thursday night. That's coming up next. It's going to be another good show. Awesome, awesome. Where can people reach you? Are you going to put that on your website or your Facebook? Uh, yeah, yeah. All that info will be up uh, tomorrow. Like I said, I literally just... <laughs> 
I just got booked like probably ten minutes before um we got on the phone. So uh once I get that information I'll get the flyer, everything will be posted uh, on my website, uh Instagram, everything's Keyvango spelled the same way, Keyvango dot com. Uh Twitter everywhere. Uh anywhere that you can find it out, I'll have it up to make sure everyone can make it out. Awesome. Yes, yes. Well thank you so much for being on the show. This show is about making that choice. What kind of a suggestion or advice do you give to people when they make choices about their lives? Uh, I mean, I think you should always, I mean, don't underestimate, I guess, that inner you. Because, I mean, a lot of people call it child, you know, they'll call you childish for wanting to do something um I guess different, and a lot of times that's our inner child just saying, you know, like, let me be me. We live in a time where it's a lot of judgment. There's, a, there's so many, so many restrictions. But at the same time, I think we also live in a such a free age of information that we can literally, you know, you can look up so many different paths to take. Chances are there's someone else out there like you that has just as crazy as ideas as you, someone that's thinking just as childish as you, or whatever you want to call it. But um, mm-hmm. you know. Take a, take a gamble on yourself. Um, I think more, you know, there's nothing that separates us from, like, our highest celebrities other than the fact that they're, they're just doing what they love to do. And a lot of times I think people overlook the importance of just embracing whatever it is that you love, embracing love, first of all, in general. And you'll probably find that you live a happier life right here. Wonderful. Wow. I want to thank you so much for being on the show, bringing such a wonderful thank insight you. to thank the show. Um, doing what you do, bringing great music. I, I can't wait to hear what you got next. Um, definitely just keep going. Appreciate it. And I'll make sure um, you have invites to everything moving forward. And I again, appreciate you giving me this opportunity to sort of hopefully spread some positive vibes out there on the airways. So you can just touch up. Yes, definitely. Thank you. And I want to ask permission to use your song on the radio station. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll be sending you a lot more, so awesome. be on the lookout. <laughs> I will, I will. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Have a great night. All right, All right you too. Bye. Wow. Did I promise you a full show today? Did I not give you a full show? Can you now tell me that you understand what the choice is that you need to make? I hope you can say that you know what you need to do. I do pray because we all have choices that we need to make in life. And the utmost important choice of all is your sanity and your happiness. And I hope that you've seen through people today and the choices they made to do what they do will help you in making your choice to do what you want to do. It has been a wonderful, wonderful show. You've been listening to Dream Chasers Radio with me, your host, Yaya Diamond. You can also reach our new station, which no programming is up right now. We just have songs playing over and over again, a lot of different songs, a lot of different. And what we're doing is we're getting programming in, for you know, within two weeks from now. So I'm excited about that. But you can tune in to wydcradio.com. Again, that's wydcradio.com. Or go to dreamchasersradio.com and click on the radio page. For the podcast, you can click on the podcast page. Let me tell you something. When we decide, making that choice to be happy, things are going to come your way. 
I didn't say you were going to be happy 100% of the time. However, you will find your way back to it. You will find your way back to happiness. Daring to be different is one way of letting you know that sometimes it goes against the grain, but that's who we are. You've been listening to us on Bobby B Radio in New York City as well as 97.5 FM Real Community Radio in Oakland, Florida, and all of the Caribbean and all of uh, the East Coast of Florida, the Caribbean Community Radio Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to go ahead and say goodnight, and don't forget to what? Dare to be different, baby. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Till next time, which is going to be Thursday. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm.